Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Well, make sure you give me all the details after service, okay? We have any pictures of grandchildren? I think there was a, a picture of a grandbaby or two. Oh, looky there. Hannah Marie. This is her 12th, her 12th month year old picture right there. And uh, so that's Micah's little girl. Oh, we're going to skip on to Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Jonathan Lucas. Does anybody see the characteristics of young Nathan in that picture? Nathan's a little, little guy. And he's, uh, he's about 18 months now. So what I'm telling you is I'm a grandfather. Helen is a grandmother. It's a wonderful, rewarding stage in our life. We're really enjoying family. We're grateful for family. And the one thing that I thought we would use is this is kind of, you can take the picture off if you want to. We don't want to be a distraction uh, to the Word, right? But as you look at the grandchildren, as I look at my grandchildren, the first thing that I notice is that there are characteristics, distinctive characteristics in their faces, in their mannerisms that remind me of their mamas and daddies. Is that true or not? You see that over and over again. Well, it's no different with us. When you think about our lives, our living our life, this walk we call life, that, God's, that there are characteristics of God in your faces and mine. And when people see those characteristics, it reminds them of someone greater, someone bigger. It reminds them of the Creator. It reminds them of who Jesus is. I believe that we are to live our life in such a way that emulates the characteristics of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? You know, there's a lot, the reason, one of the reasons we're here is for the gospel. And, and the one thing that I want to be in life is I want to be one of those people that complement the gospel. I may not be that person that leads someone to Christ, but on the way, on the journey, I want to be one of those, those people that encourage the decision to follow Christ. If I can complement the gospel... I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty happy dude. And so that's what I want to share a little bit with you this morning. And, and before we get into the work is a, is a calling, not a curse. Work, your job, my job, your vocation, my vocation is not, it's not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a calling. There's, a, there's some real significance in what you do. And what we want to do today is try to connect what our work is and what God's work is, and what that's about. And we can't do that without going back to the beginning. How many have ever had a, um, a New Year's resolution? I am going to read the Bible through this year. You ever done that? Well, a lot of people do that, but they give up somewhere around. The, I don't know where they give up. I guess they give up in the, in the numbers or where they get into the genealogies. But most people get through Genesis 1, 2, 3. And I want to turn there for a minute just to go back to the beginning and show you a couple of key points that might help us appreciate this message today. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your words. And Father, my desire is that, that your words would remain, that your words would be obvious to us. Father, I pray that you would use the, this time together to encourage your people and that we would leave this place with a sense of calling and purpose, maybe in greater measure. We ask this in Jesus' name. As you go to Genesis chapter 1, it's a wonderful place where God said he, need, he made man in our image, the Bible says, or in our likeness or after our likeness. Undeniable characteristics of God are in you and, and, and show through you. But he said, and let, us have, let him have them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. Now, some of you say, well, I'm a fisherman, and I don't think I have much dominion going on. I can go out all day long and not even, have a, not even catch a bite, but that's not really what's being said here. At the sea, over all the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. I'm looking at that and going, before the fall, creepy things weren't really creepy. Did you know that? They were really quite inviting, probably quite wonderful. But God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female, and he, he created them. And listen to what it says here. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. So what he's saying is he's not just saying, have a bunch of babies. He's saying, I want you to have children. 
I want you to multiply. I also want you to be fruitful. You know, they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. And God's plan is that his people would be fruitful. His blessing, his favor. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, he is your Lord and you walk with him and you talk to him and you listen to it for his voice. You're sheep and you listen to his voice. Let me remind you today, you have the favor of God. You don't have to ask God that he would favor you. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are all children of God. That means you are sons and daughters of God. You are his family. You have his favor. I never go to God and beg him for favor. I just say, God, help me to recognize your favor in my life today. So we have that. God bless him. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That means he wants his, this creation, Adam, Eve, he wants them to cultivate and beautify the earth. I want you to notice, in, as we kind of go through some more of this, now you're in chapter 2. It says in chapter 2, verse, uh, looks about verse 2, right? It says that God finished, what does it say in your, in your Bible or in your method of reading the Bible? Doesn't it say his work? Is that what your Bible says? What about going on a little bit further? On the seventh day, from all his work that he had done, he rested, right? And God blessed the seventh day, made it a, a holy, because in it he rested from all his work that he had done in creation. If you keep going there, it says in, chapter, in verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, and there was no man to what? What does your Bible say? To work the ground. So here we see work again. And so the Lord formed man. We're not going to read that part. We're going to skip down to about verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and to keep it, to cultivate, to beautify. God put man in his garden that he worked, that he created. And he said, I want you to go in my garden and I want you to work my garden. Isn't that interesting? Before the fall, there was work. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, about the tree, and we'll skip that. And then we read down to about verse 19. And it says, um, Every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens he brought to them, or to the man, and he wanted to see what he would call them, the man. And whatever the man called him, every creature, or every, every living creature, that was its name. So Adam had a job. It was a really effortless job. It was a good job. How many have a good job? Say, man, I love going to work every day. This is a great job. I couldn't ask for a better job. How many would like a uh, promotion? Or how many would like a different job some days? You ever feel that way? <clears throat> well, in Adam's case, he had a wonderful job. Okay, your first job is I want you to cultivate. I want you to beautify my garden. So that means everything he planted grew. There were no thorns there were no thistles. There were no hindrances. It wasn't hard. He didn't sweat. Nothing like that. It was perfect. I kind of link, think about my perfect day at work. Have you ever had one of those? You punch in. Everything goes well. You're working all day. Maybe you're a salesman. And you go to pick up the phone, but instead of having to, to create a sale, the, 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 the person calls you and says, will you sell me something? I mean, how often does that happen? And you have a wonderful day, and, and the day is going good, and you punch out, and you just take a deep breath, and you say, dear God in heaven, isn't work great? But not all days like that. But with Adam, he had a perfect day all the time. If you take your best day that happens once in a great while, he had it all the time, 24-7. I like to say he had the perfect day all the time on steroids. He just totally was content and full of joy and happiness and fulfillment at his work. Sounds wonderful. It sounds like a little bit of heaven, right? Well, that's what that was, little heaven. And so that's what happened with him. But all this work happened before the fall. And that's what I want to say something to you today. Before the fall, work was not, and it has never been, nor even after the fall, is, is not a curse. Adam named the animals. And there's a beautiful picture here, and you may miss it if you read a little fast. And you look at this verse, I believe it's about verse 19. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, and he said to see what he would call them, the animals. You get this. So the scripture says that God brought the animals to Adam. It's kind of like the ark. He assembles the animals, you know, or maybe one at a time. 
I mean, what's the hurry? I mean, this is job security. He says, you know, just bring an animal. So he brings an animal and he says, okay, and, and, and instead of God naming the animal, what does he do? He gives that responsibility to a man. And, and, he's, and this is what I love. It's like God is peering from heaven. I want you to know that God sees. When you go to work, God is not only does he favor you in your job, but God is very much interested in what you're doing. You, you think, well, God is interested in my little, my little corner of the world? Yes, he is. And he's looking at Adam, and I love this part. It just, it just moves me. He looks at the, Adam as he's, as he's naming the animals, and he's seeing, he's seeing, he's looking to see what Adam would name the animals. And whatever he named him, he didn't step in and say, now, wait a minute, that really doesn't look as bearish as you think. That's really not a bear. Let's call it something else. He let it be a bear. Now, I've gotten used to it. It may not be God's first choice, but when I see a bear and I call it a bear, it's okay with me. I can live with that, and so can God. The point is, God saw him in his work. Why did he look at him? Because he's interested, because he likes it, because it brings joy to him. It brings pleasure to him. So when you go to work and you're not feeling much of God's pleasure, work a little bit because God is pleased with your job. He loves your vocation. In fact, I want to say something here about vocation. You see this little hanging, this little stole and, and, and this you know, blue collar shirt hanging before you? What do, does, it, does it have in common? I want to help you today. Understand that there is a, there is a close connection between your calling before God and what you do in the, in, the, in the marketplace. Very important that we understand that. So Adam named the animals. And again, this is all effortless work, a labor of love, a holistic labor. Just everything is going well. And it was God who looked to see what he would name the creatures that he created. Again, verse 19, then God who sees. So God took pleasure in Adam's work. Adam was doing a good job. Actually, Adam was doing what God would ordinarily do. Think about that. God could have done all that. I mean, was it like God needed Adam to name the animals? No, he didn't need Adam to name the animals, but he called him to do it. He likes that when we do things. It isn't so much, again, because we, we have to do it because he can't do it himself. It's because he enjoys you doing the things that he would most naturally do. And whatever the man called every living creature that it was, I love that. But then came the fall. You knew this was coming. We can't go beyond this. We have to talk about this for a moment. And then there's the sound of God walking in the garden, the Bible says, in the cool of the day. It's kind of like the breeze. It's like one of those perfect days, but it's not so perfect. You've had those days where it's like, a, you know, the humidity is down. There's a gentle breeze blowing. And you think, oh, what a beautiful day. 78 degrees, no St. Louis humidity. It's perfect. The sun's out, the warmth of the sun, but no, no perspiration. Perfect day, wonderful day. But in this day, it wasn't so wonderful. The Bible says that they, God was you know, present here, and, and, and the Bible says in the fall that he, that he, he obviously was uh, saying things like, where are you, Adam? And I want you to hear something today, too, and that with the fall is that when God calls Adam, it's the most important calling. I, didn't, I would be remiss if we went any further without saying the most important call of God is not your job. It's more important to God that people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? So that's the most important call. But he was in the garden, the fall came, and God is saying, man, where are you? They hid themselves in the trees, the Bible says, and God called to the man this high calling. Let me think about something for a minute. You know, because of the fall, the Bible says that the ground was cursed when it comes to work. He didn't say that your job is cursed. And we can't use that terminology. Your job is not cursed. Work is not a curse. Work is a calling. It's a blessing. It's a gift it really is, is something very special. So let me ask it this way. Because of the fall, there's pain in childbirth, right? You read that? Because of the fall. And because of the fall, there are marital struggles. You see that too? You know, the, man, the, the woman and the man having conflict, that's part of this because of the fall. Or because of the fall, work is hard. 
It calls it thorns and thistles. That means it's, you, you still bear fruit. There's still benefit in your work, but it's harder. It's, instead of growing plants and cultivating effortlessly, you got to fight the weeds sometimes. You even got to fight your health sometimes. And you got to deal with everyday mundane, mundane life. But work becomes hard. Thorns and thistles and sweat. Difficult. These are consequences of, of fallen man. But listen. Let me ask you this question and just answer it from your heart. Because of the fall, does that mean, does that negate the, the, the value of bearing children? Of course not. Because of the fall, does that negate the value of having a relationship with someone and, and spending your life in covenant with someone on earth? Marriage is beautiful. It's a beautiful visual of Christ in the church. It's just a wonderful thing just to have relationship. I did my homework, and I heard, Brian, that you and Joy were like an item in eighth grade. That's amazing to me. And here you are. What a life. Has it had struggles? Yeah, it's had some struggles. Has it had some really wonderful days, perfect days? Absolutely. But when, with, with, with all, when it's all said and done, they say, at the end of the day, what can we agree on? It's been worth it. Marriage is a beautiful gift. So work and, and having children and struggles, it becomes very hard. But the consequences of fallen man doesn't negate the value of having children and having relationships and going to work. Going to work. It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> Don't always feel like that, but it definitely is a beautiful thing. Vocation. I love the redemption story. We're not going to take more time in this, but I, I love the redemption story here, and it helps us understand our work ethic and some of the reasons why we're here. Do you remember the, do you remember the outcome of the fall, what happened? You got man and woman, and they're in the garden, and they're naked. And remember what the Bible says? They were ashamed. They went and hid in the trees, and, and God is saying, Adam, where are you? The call, the call of redemption, the call of restoration. So he's calling them, and they come, and they talk about the, the fall, and I love this visual where God takes an animal skin and he forms it, he, cut, he, 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 he gets the animal skin, but it, it's a fit. And he makes garments, he makes clothes for his son and his daughter who have sinned. Isn't that a beautiful visual of Christ who has covered us and covered our shame? It's a beautiful picture. But for today's purposes, I want you to see something here, that God himself made the garment. Isn't that something? I mean, how would you like to say today, hey, look at this shirt that I'm wearing. Is that nice? Yeah, where'd you get it? God made it for me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's, it, you never have to wash it. It stays clean all the time. No, no wrinkles. It's perfect. Perfect fit. Even as my body changes, even, it, it modifies with every move and every groove and every bump and every bruise, you know? It, it stays with me. It's a perfect shirt. But you know what, today, I want you to hear something, and I believe this is important. Just like God made that garment for Adam and Eve to cover their shame, today he's doing the same thing. He's still making shirts. He's still making garments. He just uses industry. He uses people with creative and, 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 and discipline that go to work every day and make it happen. God is still using hands. I went to the doctors the other day, and I wasn't feeling too well. And I didn't know what was going on. And it's so wonderful to walk in an office of someone that knows what they're doing. And in five minutes, they knew exactly what was going on. They prescribed the medication. I walked from that office thinking, God, you've been good to me today. Your hand is at work today. Well, wait a minute. He didn't heal you. He didn't raise you out of your bed. Yeah, I know he didn't heal me that way, but he healed me. He's helping me. He uses people to do it. And I believe there's a lot of joy to be found in life when we understand that we're not just an existence, but we're God's hand extended. We're helping people. We're serving people. We're loving people. Yeah? It's a good thing. And so I just felt pretty good that day, thinking how God has been so good to me, loving me through that doctor. Yeah, I love the redemption story, but God made clothes, and he's still making clothes with your hands. God heals. He does. I know he does. Sometimes God shows up early. You realize one day we're going to stand before God absolutely whole. How many are looking forward to that day? I am too. And I'm looking forward to that day. But until then, we're going to have some thorns and thistles along the way. Until then, we're going to have some challenges and some struggles. 
But I do know that God shows up early many times. There's many times that God shows up early. He did that for Lazarus, didn't he? He raised him from the grave. Lazarus, come forth. He healed him. He raised him. The resurrection, the life. Wow, what a witness to the power and the resurrection. But don't, don't forget today that Lazarus eventually died. He didn't live forever on this earth, but he's living. Amen? But God did a little work early on behalf for his glory. So what does this stole mean? I guess I'm going to confess a few things with you today. This has been a great struggle for me. This idea, this tension between work and ministry, ministry and work. What's more important? What's really valuable to God? Is this important to God? Does this matter to God? Does it really matter to God that I get up on Monday morning and do the same thing? I have inspected thousands and thousands of homes, and I'm not exaggerating. I start, stopped counting years ago when I hit 10,000 homes. I've seen so many houses. It is so routine for me. But you know, it, does that really matter to God? I think, well, you know, work doesn't stop with life. I'm sure we're going to have a few jobs to do in heaven. The Bible says if, if work started with God, it's going to continue with God. If God likes work, I'm sure we're going to have some responsibilities in heaven. But I don't know that they'll need home inspectors. I was thinking about that. <clears throat> In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I think, hmm, I wonder how good a job Jesus is doing preparing rooms. You think I need to inspect after the Lord gets done? I don't think so. Lord, whatever is done is perfect. The foundation is Christ. There's no cracks. There's no problems. What am I going to do? Well, I'm grateful anyway that he rewards me for faithfulness. And they don't find something for me to do. Don't know what that is yet, but I'm sure it would be good. The thing about this stole that you see a lot of times in maybe when, 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 a, when a minister is, is doing a wedding or doing a funeral or doing a, some to- type of, of service, many times they'll wear the stole and it's just part of the garment to kind of, it, t- it speaks of authority. It speaks of, 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 of holiness maybe a little bit. But here's the real deal. Before God, I want to encourage you today that with him, this stole, although it is a religious garment, that it also, that the the blue-collar shirt is also very spiritual. I think we miss that. I think sometimes we we love the idea of, of, of ministry and the preaching of the word and the worship, and that's a wonderful gift that God has ordained. But don't forget today that God has ordained men and women to serve and live in the marketplace. Jesus spent more time in the marketplace than he did the synagogue. He did. You read the scripture all the time. He's engaging this integration, this this overlapping with Jesus was was an everyday affair. He went into the synagogues. He he, he spoke from Isaiah, but then he would also go on the streets and talk about his father's heart. He did it all the time. And it was, Mark 6 is a wonderful visual of that. We don't have time to go there. But what does this have in common, this ecclesiastical vestment, this clergy garment, and this blue-collar wage-earning laborer-type shirt? They're both divine calling. And making them both spiritual is important, understanding that they both have meaning. God wants you to know that your job, your vocation, which is really the Latin for, for vocation is calling, matters. You matter, and so does what you do. So let's get into the text. And you say, Brother Steve, that was a long, long introduction. So forgive me for that, um, but we'll get on with it, okay? Let's go to the text, one of them. For we are his workmanship. This is found in Ephesians chapter 2. Is it, is it up there? Look at that. What a miracle. What a miracle. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, read this with me, for good works, which God, you reading this, you, read, you always read your Bible in silence? Maybe I'll slow it down. Let's read this together. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them or carry them out. God has, has planned, God has a job description Before you were born, God had some purposes for you. Some people get tripped up in predetermination. Do I have choice? Of course you have choice. 
God loves creative choice. But don't worry about God. He's going to get you to the desired end. He'll use you. And don't, don't worry about that so much. I think we get tripped up on that. It's, it's more important what God is doing in you and what God is doing through us. But God has an assignment is what this is really saying. God has a well-thought-out work job description with you in mind. Long before God called Adam to name the animals, God knew that he was going to have Adam name the animals. He knows what's going on. Nothing catches him by surprise. You feel like that sometimes going to work. To God, I hear about you being with me, but it sure doesn't feel like it. God, I don't know about this job. Are you sure you know what you're doing? You ever feel like that? No, you don't feel like that. Just me. I'm the only one that feels like that. But God has a well-thought-out plan and purpose and assignment. I'll show you this in Scripture. God prepared. You see that? God work. This is God's work. God's work is your work is part of God's work. Colossians chapter 3. I love this. Whatever. The Greek for whatever is whatever, just so we don't you know, worry about that too much. Whatever you do. I say, wait, whatever? That means there's no dead end jobs with God. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have a temp job right now. It's kind of a dead end job. I don't, this isn't what I want to do the rest of my life. Understood. I get that. Don't have a lot of passion for it. It's just something you do. You're going to pay the bills and do what you do. Routine, mundane. I get all that. Believe me, I, I understand that. But please know, even if it's temporary, it's not dead end. Even if it's for a week or two or a month or six months, please know that it's valuable and important and it's still a calling. Amen? All right. I guess you're with me on this. Whatever you do, this is Paul talking here. Whatever you do, it says work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. You'll receive the inheritance as your reward. And then he goes on to say, you are serving the Lord Christ. You are serving him. Interesting, isn't it? So here we've taken work. We've taken this common, mundane, routine, routine activity, and we've elevated it. Now we've lifted it a little higher. Because not only is it not just a job, you have, a, you have a boss, the king of kings, or you know, the great I am, is your boss. He's like the undercover boss. He's always there in disguise. You don't always see that he's there. But I want you to know something today. Jesus Christ, Lord of heaven and earth, is your boss. Different way to look at things, isn't it? Hmm. God is your boss. Jesus is your boss. Paul said, you are serving the Lord Christ. The context of this is really a good context. He's talking to moms. He's talking about household issues, moms and dads and workers. He's talking about these different classes of people. We often will read that, and sometimes we look at it and go, well, what he means is the work that we do in the church. Of course we have work to do in the church, but that isn't the only thing he's talking about. He's talking about your life. He's talking about your job. He's talking about your work, your vocation. Mom, dad, bond servants, he says. This is in Colossians chapter 3. That's the context of it. Whatever you do, do it heartily, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance. Interesting to me today is that God is not going to reward me because I had this pristine job. Oh, Brother Steve. Oh. Now, You've done thousands of inspections, I know. But the only one that I'm going to really reward you for is that $2.2 million, $2 million house you did the other day. He doesn't look at it like that. Oh, wow, that's kind of nice. You did a nice house. It doesn't really matter the house. It's who I'm serving. It's the people that are buying that matters. It can be a high-end home. It can be maybe not so high-end. It doesn't really matter with God. The important thing is that I serve them. I was thinking about this the other day. What a beautiful truth. God makes some promises to us. He promises, you know, food. Thank him for that. He promises clothes. So glad for that. And he promises shelter. You know, he promises to supply all of our needs according to his riches and his glory. And I think, man, God, you've been good. And I get to be a part of that sometimes. I get to help people along the way with their promises. It's a good thing. It's a fun thing. It's adventurous, really. 
But I said to you, I had this personal struggle, and I want to share some of this tension with you. And I have this wonderful quote, and it's found in the book that Pastor Brian was talking about. And I want to share this with you. This is Timothy Keller, pastor, uh, retired pastor, author, um, just an um, apologist, just a, a brilliant man with wonderful quotes. But look at this. If lay people cannot find spiritual meaning in their work, they are condemned to live a dual life, not connecting what they do on Sunday morning with what they do the rest of the week. Isn't that interesting? That means that there are people that live their whole week thinking about what they're going to do for God on the weekends, but what we really need to understand is God's plan is not that we live a dual life, but that we live an integrated life, that we live an overlapping life, that work is elevated. I want God to create a culture in me and everyone that I associate with. I want God to dignify work. I want people to sense a dignity about what they do. I always ask people that. I don't ask people anymore where they went to high school. I don't ask people that. They say that's always the big question if you're from St. Louis. Where did you go to high school? I don't ask people where they go to high school. I always ask, hey, what do you do for a living? And then when they tell me, I just like to engage and talk about it, learn something. I spend a lot of time talking to people in their given fields, and I love the idea of engaging with people with what they do because I honestly believe that it's a calling from God. So we need to connect the dots. How does your work and his work connect? That's what we want to try to do. And so I want, I've struggled with this. I really have. You know, there are times that I would say, God, but, but so-and-so, they're so used by you, God. They, they, they preach or they, they, they lead in this worship or they do all these wonderful things for the church. And then God had to help me. And he, he, he navigated the, in, this in my heart over the, over the years. I was talking to uh, Brother Jim before service, and what a blessing he has been to me and to, and to Helen. I think about the, when it may, maybe it wasn't maybe a novelty, but he, he just encouraged me. You know, when I, when I would work, he would, he would allow me to be part of, of this ministry. And he'd say, you know, why don't you share Sunday? Or why don't you share, you know, whatever, what's on your heart? And he would be so generous with, with ministry, and he'd help me because the, it was such a struggle for me. There were times that I felt like if, if I wasn't doing ministry, that maybe God just wasn't happy with me. And I know that sounds absurd, but it's, it's a challenge sometimes for us to get up in the morning and realize that, brother, sister, I know it seems like God doesn't see, but he sees you, and he rewards faithfulness. He really cares about what you're doing. He's interested, and uh, I just love that about the Lord. And so then I began to realize that it's not just what I do on Sunday that matters to God, but it's also important what I do on Monday and Tuesday and every other day of the week. Amen? Amen. Whatever you do, point number one today. And uh, was that still the introduction? It can't be. It can't be. It really can't. It's not. I promise you it's not. <clears throat> I know what happened. Uh, Br Pastor Brian, I don't even know what time we started. And you gave me a time. Do you remember what time we started? All right. Such a good man, full of grace, full of grace. You are blessed to have that, that family, that couple and that family. Amen? So whatever you do, whatever, whatever, remember the Greek? Whatever you do. Now that's what I really, I really want to emphasize that. Whatever you do. The, the important thing is not what you do. The important thing is who you do it for, right? Whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord. Because, because of the fall, we have this distorted view of work, which is sequel to the fall. It isn't what we do as much as who we do it for. Only let each person, listen to 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Just write it down and read it later. It's a wonderful verse. Only let each person lead the life or walk in their way that the Lord has assigned to him, to which God has called him. This is my rule for in all the churches. And so when you're reading that, I want you to know this is not about church activity, although I love church activity. It's one of my just favorite times of the week is to be together with God's people and to exercise the giftings of the local body in the church. I love it. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not referring so much to church ministry, but to common social and economic tasks, secular jobs, are God's callings and assignments too. Secular jobs. I'm saying that so we can distinguish it. 
but for community life. Like there are giftings. You ever thought about giftings in the church? I love the giftings of the church. Have you ever had somebody kind of walk up to you and just give you a word of, I don't know, word of knowledge or something? Uh, have you ever had someone come to you and just say, God has just impressed this upon me, and, and you go through your week and find out it was confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses, and you think, good grief, what a wonderful day. God is good. He's talking to me. He sees. He knows. And I'm thinking about that, and I think, well, there are Christians that are just plain bored. I think, why are people bored? Why is it that we're unhappy? I want to give you something today. If you would exercise the giftings that God has called you and elevate your job and be a little dignified about it, God would use you in the marketplace. And that's true. You know, there might be an opportunity for you to pray for someone on the job. Do it. See what God will do. Have you ever asked someone if, they, if you could pray, if they would allow you to pray for them? Most people don't, do not, most people don't mind. If you get a little crazy on them, they might mind. They might change their mind. But most people don't, they're good with it. Hey, you know, I see you're going through a tough time. Do you mind if I just pray a, a blessing on you? Say, no, go ahead and see what God will do. Oh, I've been really sick lately and, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I just pray for you? Try that sometime and, and do it, do it in, in grace and do it with, with, with love and care and tenderness. See what God will do. But I want to say this, that there are many giftings that, I believe there are giftings that God wants to exercise, and many people are just not going to see them because they're not exercising them where it belongs. You understand what I'm saying? God is wanting you to be yourself. Another Timothy Keller quote, good one. He says, God wants us to be friendly, but don't hide. Isn't that good? How many wish you would have come up with that one? You like that one? He's got many more. But that's the point here is that there are giftings in the church. There are giftings in the marketplace. You remember what I said in Mark 6, Jesus was in the marketplace, and wherever people would come, they would experience his life, his passion, his generous uh, you know, heart, his gentleness, his kindness that leads to repentance. They would experience that in the marketplace. They didn't have to wait for the synagogue. They didn't have to go to the synagogue to get that. Do you realize Ephesians 4 makes it uh, uh, profoundly clear that the, the giftings to the church are for the work of the ministry? You say, I want to be in the ministry. You are in the ministry. Don't stop asking to be in the ministry. You are the ministry. That's why God sends you leaders to help you so that you can be what he's called you to be in the marketplace. It's very simple, very true. But that's the giftings that God wants to exercise. God wants to reveal himself, you know, powerfully in your life. And that comes as you exercise your giftings in the marketplace. We need God's view about the marketplace. God's view of work. Listen to this. All work has a common and exalted purpose. To honor God, to love your neighbor, and to serve them through your work. That's a God view perspective. That's seeing things through the lens of our Creator. He wants us to love our neighbor. He wants us to care for one another, serve one another. And by doing that, we honor Him. We do. I thought I only honored God when I shared the, the Romans road. No, he, he, he loves it when you share your faith. But, but know that He loves it when you, when you are skillful at what you do. He loves it when you work hard. Remember, we're complimenting the gospel. It's a teamwork effort. There are many times that I go to work and I think, I don't know, I didn't share my faith really with anybody today, but I'm comforted to know that I was complimentary to that when and if when it does happen. You see what I'm saying? You're with me, aren't you? All children are of God that, uh, that have faith in Christ. All are children of God because you put your faith in him. And I want you to, I want you to hear this. And it's nothing that you don't know, that, that people, you are precious to God. In fact, in, in, in Psalm uh, 126, it talks about the, you know, sowing this seed. And a few translations say precious seed, you know, with weeping and with, with patience, you know, sowing, sowing. And that's, and that's a wonderful thing. And the soil has to be prepared for the seed. And that's kind of like the, the marketplace or God's field. But the seed is precious to God. 
but, and you are precious to God, but so are the people that you encounter. They're precious to God. And so when I see lost people, I don't, I don't, I don't have judgmentalism. I have compassion. They don't know any better. I was just thinking about this, Pastor Brian. I'm going to go here, so forgive me. Where angels fear to trot. So how many, have, how many noticed the Blues won the Stanley Cup? Did you notice that? I guess you guys got a bunch of hockey uh, pucks recently. Are they autographed? No. It's okay. They're better. Better. And so I'm watching some of this parade, and it's supposed to last 90 minutes, and it lasted over three hours because of some of the, you know, activity going on. And so, you know, I was thinking about toward the end, I was thinking that some of these guys were pretty, you know, pretty, uh, you know, pretty toasty and, and, you know, saying some things that they shouldn't have said. There's no time delay with, with the parade and all that. And, you know, as, a, as, a, as disappointed as I was, I really was not all that offended. You say, well, you should be offended. No, because I understand they don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. They just don't. And so, God, if you could allow us somehow to be complimentary to them here in the gospel, let it happen. I want to make some connections in life. Hey, God, when you're, my, my steps are ordered by God. So, I, you know, if I'm walking in life, I'm saying, God, this is no, I, I had this happen the other day. There was a man working in my house, hanging some doors, because I can't do that. I'm not skillful at that. If I hung a door, it might be on the hinge, but it's not going to operate properly. It won't close, and it certainly will be stuck. You probably have to find another entrance. <clears throat> but this man was working on my door, so I'm going to do this inspection job. And I noticed, and this is the very next day, and there he is next door in another house. I'm doing an inspection. He was at my house the day before, and he's at this house doing another job. And I yelled at him, and I said, Ron, isn't it good to know that your steps are ordered by the Lord? Because I walked away thinking, that was no coincidence. It's a small matter, but it's little hints along the way to remind us that God knows where we're at, and he knows what we're doing, and he's interested in your work, and he's interested in my work, and we can bring glory to his name through it. And so this precious people, this precious opportunity, this harmony, this integration, this overlapping. So know today, first of all, whatever you do, Whatever you do, it's a calling, not a curse, not a curse. Don't go there. The ground was cursed, but not the job. The work is harder, but it's not cursed. You're not cursed. You have faith in Christ. You're a child of God. You don't walk in a curse. You're blessed, and you have God's favor. When he sees you, he smiles. I believe that. Another nice quote from Timothy Keller, I won't get it all. But he said, in Christianity, it's the, only, it's the only truth where you get the verdict before the performance. The verdict is sinless. The verdict is you're mine. The verdict is enter in, thou good and faithful servant, right? We have a promise. Long before we can perform it, God's grace is good. He is full of grace and truth. So God is with you in the marketplace, point number two. Is it up there? Point number two, we went through point, up oh, there it is. God is with you in the marketplace. Sowing precious seed, we talked about that because God is the one who gives the increase. I say this often at uh, Crosspoint, but you know, God does the heavy lifting. You ever think about, you know, when we, whatever we do, we're not doing the heavy lifting. We got the easy part of the job. God did the creation. God made the animals and he says, you name them. That's, that's our job. We get the easy job, but, the, but the, it's profoundly true that God is with us. And so whatever we're doing, we may feel, you know, inadequate. We may feel like we've, you know, blown it a few times. The point being is that God does the heavy lifting anyway. And so we need to look to him as our grace and power and life. So when, not if, people discover you are a follower of Jesus, your work should be complementary to receiving the gospel. Touched on that. So that means like honesty, being skillful at what you do, excellence, creative. I was thinking about that back to the giftings. You know, God gives you ideas. You're working along and you're thinking about stuff. And all of a sudden you get an idea. That's a gift. God just wants you to use it. Take that idea and see what happens. 
Have fun with it. Run with it. See what I'm getting at? So God does those kinds of things in the marketplace. Creative, gratitude. What about joyful through the ups and downs of your work? What about when everybody's complaining? Everybody's whining. Oh, woe is me. And, you know, you're not a holier than thou. You just, you just know that God is with you. And you just, again, you're, you're friendly and you don't hide the fact that you're okay with things. You know, you're going to get through this with God's help. There are, they're they're going to happen. Some people say, well, you know what reason I go to work? I, I go to work because I really, I really like the idea of making some money. I think, well, the love of money is the root of evil, but I don't think money is evil in good, in good hands. And so if you have a motivation to make money, maybe God has given you uh, maybe a giving spirit. Maybe you have that kind of gift where God has given you creative ideas to, you know, create a little bit of wealth. That's great. But make sure you're generous with what God has given you. Don't, don't hold it. You know, just, be, just hold it loosely. And let God just bless people through your life. Amen? So that's, that's part of some of the things we're talking about here. I thought about this, being trustworthy. What a big deal that is. Well, I don't know, the, the, some of my employees, you know, you just really can't count on them. But, but brother, you know, so-and-so, you can count on her. She is always there early, and she never complains. You think that's not a big deal? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Because you're exhibiting and emulating the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Because he was one who, even when he had reason to, didn't speak an ill word. Right? There was no deceit in his heart, and he just didn't speak any evil at all. Certain to happen, make money, be generous, be trustworthy, emulate Jesus' characteristics in your workplace. That's kind of the main, one of the main reasons why we're there. Do you remember when I was showing you the grandkids? We, we, I don't have to show you them again, do I? You remember? Okay, so you remember the grandchildren? I'm talking about the characteristics. You know, you got to remember, when you go to work, you think you just have a face. I mean... A face only a mother could love. A face. But, you know, you don't forget that that likeness that you have is from your creator. Right? And when you're exhibiting the characteristics of Christ, people will, will sense something unique and different. They're not necessarily going to say, oh, Christian. They don't always know that. They just know that it's not all bad. I was thinking about this today. I was thinking, you know, Jesus talked about how people would, would, would hate. Uh, they, they, they don't hate uh, you. They hate me. It's because of me that they're, they're against you. But, you know, not everybody hates what is good. There are people that are looking and longing for something better. You understand? There are pre-Christians in the world. Not everybody is going to hell. See, we want, we want to live like looking for those opportunities to exhibit Christ, to encourage people, to compliment the gospel along the way. And that's what Christians do. I want to encourage you with one little thing here too, one little truth. The Christian, this is from Martin Luther, the reformer. It says, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Do you believe that's true? And so again, skill, excellence. I was thinking about this. What if I had a boss and he was a rascal, and he didn't, he didn't know the Lord at all. What if I had this boss? Well, the first thing I want to do is get a new job. I want, to, I want to say, God, take me out of this and give me a new job with a Christian boss where everything's easy or better. Uh, maybe not so. But anyway, this boss is a rascal, and what if I was the kind of person that would go into work early? And so I go to work early, and I do it all the time, and I don't think about it too much. It's just kind of the way I, you know, that's how, how we're raised. You know, some of us remember that statement, like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're there early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're, you're, you're you know, you're, if you're on time, you're, you're late. And if you're late, and it's, it's inexcusable. So, so here we are. We're, we go to work on time every day, early, five minutes early, every day, punch in. And uh, nobody's there but you. And maybe the boss notices you once in a while because they're always there early and always there late. And this goes on for a while, and you don't really think about it. And here you are in your little cubicle, and you're thinking, oh, God, you know, I, I, you don't, I don't think that it matters what I'm doing. But, but what happens is over time, this, this, this boss notices you coming early, and it just reminds him of his father. His father was a believer. His father knew the Lord. And, and, and so his father 
thinking, you know, he's thinking about his dad, and he realized he's been estranged from his father, and he hasn't talked to him in a long time, and it makes me think of his father. So he says, you know, I'm going to call my father. I'm just going to see how he's doing. So he calls his father, and he finds out that his father is ill. In fact, so ill that it's, it's you know, he, he's, he's dying. And so he goes and he spends time with his father, and his father, you know, is talking to his son, his estranged son, and he says, how are things going? And you know, the son's, well, you know, I've got this job. It's, things aren't going too well. And my marriage is, is really a wreck. And my kids are defiant. And, you know, every time I turn, I just, my, my, my money bag has holes in it. Every time I try to get ahead, I take one step forward and two or three backwards. And nothing seems to be going right, Dad. And he says, well, son, have you tried the Lord? Why don't you just ask Jesus to come into your life and to help you with everyday life? And so he does. And he becomes a believer, and his life has changed. You think, wow, all because a guy decided to go into work a little early. So you don't know what God is doing. In fact, I want to kind of conclude with that in a minute as we kind of wrap things up here a little bit. But we do have struggles, don't we? You know, in a fallen world, it's just going to happen. There's greed. Uh, there's, there's, there's just so much going on in the workplace that is unfavorable to the gospel. All the more reason to stand out. All the more reason. Why do you suppose you're in a dark place? You're in a dark place because you, 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 know, because you emit the, the, the light of Christ. But struggles, as we kind of balance work and ministry and life and all the things that we deal with, we have so many to talk about. But I want to lastly say today that Jesus is your ultimate, true and ultimate boss. And uh, he's full of grace. I want to say this today that Maybe you're here and you go, well, you know what? Um, uh, I think I need a new, like I said, new job because things, you know, I just kind of blew it. You know, I, I don't think I've acted like, like a Christian should act. Or, or maybe you're saying things like, well, you know, work has been just difficult and, and I've blown it again. I don't seem to have influence. I don't have the kind of influence that I'd like to have in the job place. And, and, and you say things like that. Well, as we kind of wrap this up, not only is God with us in the marketplace, but but here's your boss. And I want you to begin to talk to him about your work. And he's thinking, well, Steve, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't seem like a, a lot of instruction here, but I really want you to begin to talk to God about what you do and who you do it for. And I want you to ask God to help you to elevate what you do and to not see what you do as simply a fill-in job that pays the bills, but that you see it as a divine calling from heaven. And Jesus will be with you. And you know what? Jesus is a good boss. You know, even if your boss is a rascal, he's not the ultimate boss. He's not really in charge at all. He's not even, he's not even your boss. Think about that. The boss that's the rascal isn't even your real boss. He thinks he's your boss. He may have the title of a boss, but he's not your boss. But Jesus is your boss. You can talk to him about anything. This amazing thing, people say uh, Sol Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Well, he was not the wisest man that ever lived. Jesus was the wisest man that ever lived. And you know, Jesus is a good boss, and he knows how to do things. He knows how to rearrange things. He knows to, how to accomplish things. He knows how to make the most of your job as you deal with the thorns and the thistles, as you sweat through your work. He knows how to do that. He's pretty good at it. Don't forget the giftings. Remember that God's at work in you, and he has a wonderful plan. I like to call it the prevailing presence. You know, I may not have a lot of influence, but God has a lot of influence. And so, God, however you want to use me today, just be glorified, be, you know, be, be magnified, you know, be, be lifted up. Somehow let people think about Jesus, or somehow just let someone think about their eternal soul. Somehow, God, just let people think about there's more to life than what they're living for. Yep, y'all follow me. You're, you're, track, you're tracking with me, right? So much more to it. So I want to conclude with a couple of things, some prayers. So we can go there, you know, that you're, whatever you do is a calling. God is with you in the marketplace. The Holy Spirit is present with you, and Jesus is your true boss. So let's go to the conclusion, the prayers. I think I gave you some prayers to, 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 kind, of, to, to kind of bring this to, to a close. So... Um, on a personal level, uh, I want to say um, that work should never be an obsession. 
Work should never be our validation. You know, in, in other words, we can work hard, but work has a place. It doesn't have everything. It shouldn't take everything in our life. It should not be an obsession. And, and, because of, and, and truly, our significance is in you. I want to talk about something here as we think about this. And this is a prayer. This is something you, you can ask God to help you with. And I think about this. I say, God, you know, I see so-and-so. Again, they have this, you know, this particular job. You know, in the, in the Greek philosophy, in their minds, if you didn't have, if your job didn't require a lot of thought and a lot of philosophy, or if you were not an artisan of some kind, that you were a second-class citizen, if that. And you get into the medieval age, you know, and if you weren't a, a, a pope or if you weren't some kind, of a, some kind of a religious leader and had religious influence, you were a second-class citizen, if that. But that's not God's view. God's view is entirely different. With God, you are... Your, your, your job and what you do is valuable to him. No matter if it's a, a, a physical job, no matter if it requires a lot, of, you know, a lot of schooling, that's a wonderful thing, a wonderful gift. If God has given you that capacity to learn and retain and to remember, you are blessed from God. And if I, and if I wasn't careful, I'd look at you with envy. Think, Man, I wish I could remember things like that. Boy, I wish I could do figures like that. And I wish I could have that kind of, you know, charisma like that, that gal or that guy. But then I realized that for each one, I've come to understand that each one is uniquely fashioned and uniquely called and uniquely assigned. I don't have to look at anyone and wish I had their job. I don't ever look at people and think, I wish I had, you know, what they were doing, their ministry or their calling or their... No, there's room for giftings. There is room for callings. What God is wanting you to hear is he's wanting you, he, him to, you to hear him call you. He wants you, he, you to hear him call you by name. So when you go to work, it's not just you going to work, it's you and God, you know, like hand in hand almost. Of course, he's got the big hand, the upper hand. But you're with God. You're not alone in this. He's with you. So on a personal level, we need to say, God, help us not, not work become an obsession because my significance is in you. My validation is in you. You know where the validation comes from, don't you? The cross. The cross of Jesus Christ never changes. Think about it. Come to me, whoever, you know, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. He says, come to me, come to the cross. Meet me at the cross, because the value of the Son causes all of us to experience a value we could have never known otherwise. You are precious in his sight. Jesus loves you. Jesus gave himself for you. Help me to see work as you do through your lens. Number two, number four, this is a prayer. Uh, in an effective way to show others what you are like. That's another reason for work. So when we're talking about humility, being productive, these Christ-like characteristics, these unmistakable distinctives that we have, because we're created in the likeness of God. Our prayer, God, has helped me today to show others what you were like. One of the, one of the most precious cards I ever received was a, a woman, a husband and wife in ministry for a long time. And somehow we were engaging with them. And, and you know, my, my wife and I, there was a, a gift and a few things involved. And I, a few days later, I get this card from this, this wonderful uh, woman and, and man of God. But she in particular said, she thanked us for our encounter. She thanked us for the experience. And this is what she said. She goes, and Jesus looks so good on you. And I thought, wow, that's a dream. You know, that, that is like, that's worth living for. So you go to work and there's this, this, this flavor about you that's sweet. There's something about the way you do what you do. It's a distraction, but a good distraction. It's like an outstanding distinctive. What is it about that woman? What is it about that man? Why? How? I don't have an answer. The Bible says it this way. Be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear, with grace, with kindness. Well, yeah, it's not really anything that I can 
do of myself, but I just have this personal relationship with Christ. And that's, that's probably what you're, I, that's got to be what it is. So help me to see work as you do through your lens. You know, I feel dignified today. It's hard for me not to stick my chest out. It's hard for me not to lift my head high. I serve the risen king. I work for him. Who do you work for? I work for Jesus. You know, well, I thought you did home inspections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you, I thought you were pastoring too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big deal. The real deal is Jesus knows my name. He sees me. He's got some clothes for me. He's working with me. When I go to work, I'm not alone. I sense his presence. I don't just sense him today. I have sensed him here today. Wonderful worship, wonderful times together. I love it when people come together. But I also sense his presence in the workplace. There are times I've been in a nasty old attic, and uh, it's just, you know, kind of disgusting, really. And I have sensed God's presence with me. It isn't where, it's whatever, and it's wherever. You know, God is everywhere, especially present in the marketplace. Aren't you glad he goes to places that we just have never, would never be willing to go? That's the kind of God we serve. I love this quote. Another Timothy Keller quote. I can't help it. I'm going to tell you it anyway. But a child is the only, only individual that will wake a king up three o'clock in the morning to ask for a glass of water. Yeah, well, that's, that's who our God is. You know, you can wake him up at three o'clock in the morning and say, Father God, Daddy, Papa, what, you know, Abba, you can say, Lord in heaven, I need you. And you know, you're welcome, and he's there for you. He's there to be with you. He sees you. Remind me often that my work is a worthy endeavor with spiritual meaning. Let's just leave it at that. Remind me daily, help me understand that the work that I'm doing is worthy, is a worthy endeavor, and it has spiritual meaning, and you care about it, right? Help me, Lord, to see that spiritual meaning. And lastly, I pray that you would use me in the marketplace to advance and or otherwise to complement the gospel. Whatever you can do, don't let me be that one that hinders your work. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to be associated with that group. I want to be the one that does everything he can to complement, to encourage people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. I see some of the glaze coming. We're going to have to get to this. I said I was going to kind of wrap this up with with, uh, uh, Matthew 25, and I I just want to do that, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Brian uh, to come and and take take the service from here. But I just want to read this to you, because one day, there was a day this really was opened up to me, and it it has truly changed changed my life when it comes to work and when it comes to, you know, doing things. You know, basically, we're talking routine and mundane and everyday affairs, right? And so when we do those things, I know you're like me. You kind of wonder, what was it all for? And sometimes it just doesn't feel like your life is having a real impact. But li- listen, to, listen to what the, the Matthew says here in chapter 25. And this is the final judgment. And, I'm, I, you know, I, I know that that my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures is to him who is able to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding great joy. I am looking forward to, to being with God. But, but sometimes, you know, I think, oh, yeah, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe this, this probably wasn't built on a good foundation over here. This, one, this one's probably going to burn up. You know, this one probably won't make it. But there are other times I just feel like, you know, bullseye, you know, that God has been so good. But I, I just want you to see this for a second. And the Son of Man, when he comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people as one sh- a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I just want to focus on the, on the sheep. And he will place uh, the sheep on his right and the, and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, now listen to this. This is, this is so, this is crazy. He says, when the king will say to those on the right, come calling, you who are blessed by my Father. And, and that, uh, listen, that's, that's, that's now. You know, when you read that, that is in this moment. Don't, you, you can talk about blessings that are coming. God, open my eyes to what you're doing. Open my eyes to your blessings right now. I've signed about everything I write with blessings. 
because I want people to see the blessings of their father. But anyway, it says, come and blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared, whew, work, for you from the foundation of the world. Long before you were around, the verdict's in. But then he says, I was thirsty. Listen to this. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Friendly. I was naked. I love this part. We talked about it a little bit. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. How did the righteous respond? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was really an outstanding day. I, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about there. They didn't say that. Listen to what they said. Then the righteous will answer him and saying, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? Or were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? Man, I think I see you in all your splendor and all your glory. I think I would know when. You must be mistaken. But you see, he's not mistaken. Because God does the heavy lifting. He always has. What he's saying here is that in the times that you don't know, in the times that you don't realize, in the time that you can't comprehend, what is it for? I want you to know that God is doing something. God is at work. He says, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And this is what he says. When did we see you a stranger and come and visit and clothe? And when did we see you sick in prison and visit? He goes, and the king will answer him truly, I say to you, you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers. And you did it to me. You did it to me. 